Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I am your host, Judy Como. I am so happy to be here in our station at St. Mary's Catholic Center in Bryan College Station, Texas. I want to say hello to all of our listeners listening here on 88.5 KEDC. 98.3 KYAR in Waco, Central Texas, and 107.9 KINF Palestine. Hello, listeners, and good morning. Turn whatever direction you have to and look at this beautiful Hail Mary blue sky we get to witness and walk in. Good morning, Thaddeus Romanski. Good morning, Judy Como. You know, I think the first show that you helped me with, I was like, I always resist this sound of sounding like "Good Morning Vietnam." Uh-huh. I didn't want to sound that, and yeah. so yeah. <laughs> you did it intentionally then, and I think you did it. Intentionally I did. It's, it's this always time. a it's always a touchstone that's lurking, you know, down in my my guts that uh-huh. I want to I want to do that scene, that famous scene from "Good Morning Vietnam." Spinner. So. Spin around in your chair yeah. and yeah. everything. We have someone else already ready to talk with us, too, and her name is Stephanie Lee. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, hey. everybody listening. Good morning, Stephanie so good Lee. To be with you. Got good our morning, station Daddy director Daddy. from Waco, KYR, Texas. Stephanie, why do we have you on the, the show this morning? What are you here to talk, talk to us about? There is something important coming up in just about four weeks. Actually, it was a month from uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. And April 25th is going to be here before you know it. And that's the day of our Red Sea uh, Central Texas benefit dinner. Yes, indeed. And so uh, we are going to have Tom Peterson from Catholics Come Home as the guest speaker. And you've seen ads on TV and heard ads on radio about Catholics Come Home. And that is all Tom Peterson. He is instrumental in doing all of those. So exciting. We loved, loved, loved having him here at our benefit. And he's a man. Everyone listening, you don't want to miss this for a lot of reasons. Mm -mm. We need your help. We need your support. But you want to hear this guy. Yes. Stephanie, I really like what you had to say there. I really like what you had to say there about it's going to be here before you know it. It's going to be here before you know it, folks. So if you've been kind of holding back on coming, jump on it now, right, Steph? It is, because yesterday I was like, oh, we still have a whole month. And then I'm going, wait a minute, no, <laughs> that month is going to fly by. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to be here, and we're going to be talking about the saints with Tom Peterson um, that night at the dinner, and we're going to have a baseball theme. Um, we're going to have brats and burgers and mm-hmm. hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And 
going to be it's going to be great. Take me out to the benefit. Take <laughs> me out to the gala. There we go. Well, right? Give us the deets, yes. man. Give us the details. Yeah, it's going to be uh, just we're going to talk about the saints, uh, heroes as as heroes. That's what Tom Peterson's going to give us a talk as, and then we're going to have like like I said, a sports theme. It's going to just be wonderful, and we're going to just have a grand old time. So it's going to be April 25th from 6.30 until 9, and we will have uh, adult beverages available if you choose to partake in those. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we just are excited that Tom Peterson is coming to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Waco. Mm -hmm. And you can go online to reserve your tickets at redsearadio.org slash benefit. There's a page there, and it says KYAR Benefit Dinner. And you can sponsor a table, or you can uh, have individual seats. Now, Stephanie, if if my memory serves, we are still looking for the big— $2,500 $2,500 table sponsorship, and we're still looking for a big $5,000 table sponsorship this time, right? So that opportunity of recognition and real contribution to the to the benefit and the, and the support of the radio is still out there for two lucky organizations or a family or a, a parish to take advantage of and really put some skin in the game for KYIR and, su- and supporting the the paying off of the debt. We know that um, we know that people have already contributed at the end of 2018 to the five dollar yeah. Friday effort. Remind listeners about that from the other listening areas if they if they haven't heard about what was five dollar Fridays and how did that help? Five dollar five dollar Friday was a good way to just join in becoming a monthly sustaining member or an Immaculata Society member of Red Sea Catholic Radio for just five dollars a month. So you could, it was just a very uh, economical way of doing that um, rather than feeling like you had to donate, you know, $100 a month, which right, we would right. appreciate. But um, it was just a, a way of listeners to feel like they were part of Red Sea if they weren't able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's what $5 Friday was. We had that on November 30th and December 7th, and then we had a match going on for, um, I don't even remember the number. Uh, my numbers are bad, <laughs> but we uh, had a $30,000 match going on, Right. so we got that, and then we hoped to get that thirty thousand dollar match from listeners which you know we we didn't get but we're god is still good and we're still paying down the debt and that's what we need to do and we we uh we all that money that we raised from supportive listeners we shoveled towards the debt um the principal on the the, the debt for the kyr tower and now the benefit dinner it's we're taking another step forward to helping pay for the operational expenses and also we're gonna you know if we get Really, really great support here from the the listening the listeners in KYAR listening area. 
uh, we're going to yep. put some more towards paying down that principal. And, and with your support, with your help, with your enthusiasm coming to the benefit on April 25th at Sacred Heart Catholic Church, we can keep Catholic Radio in the Waco, Central, Central Texas, Texas area. So please, yeah. please come on and join us. It's going to be a fun time. You're going to... You're not going to want to miss out sitting there listening to Tom Peterson talk about the Saints with a brat in one hand and a beer in the other. I mean, what? I, how can, I have what such more a visual. Can ask for? This is a audio, but I have a visual going along with. That. I would say that is a home run, wouldn't right. you say that, Stephanie? Out that of the is park, a home run. Judy. It's out of the park. Out of the park. Out of the park. That's a triple right there. <laughs> At least a triple. Everybody. Yeah, everybody needs to step up to the plate and come. To there the you go. There. Let's get these baseball <laughs> analogies so going. Just take a swing at it. All right, Stephanie. Anything else you want to you want to tell anybody about? Uh, maybe that's specific to Waco folks. Any anything else before we let you go? No, I think uh, we're good. Just go on that website, uh, redsearadio.org/slash/benefit, and you're going to see all the banners there to sponsor the tables. And we're still looking for that twenty five hundred dollars sponsor and that five thousand dollars sponsor. So if it'll you happen. Do that, that would be great. It and how can happen. people get in touch with you if they want to shoot a question your way or they want to volunteer? They can email me at stephanie at redsearadio.org or they can call me at 254-313-7282. And that's if you want to volunteer or get tickets for the benefit dinner or whatever you need to do or just talk. I'm I'm here. Have a coffee. Yeah, there. Have yeah. a coffee. You, know? you want to round the bases a few times with, with Stephanie, you know? All right, Stephanie, <laughs> great. The one, the only, the Stephanie Lee. Talk to you later. Thanks so much. Thanks, All Stephanie. Right, Have is. a great day. Thank you. God Judy. bless. You too. All right. God bless. Bye. It's going to be such a blast. I always have fun talking to her. She puts up with me. She really puts up with me. Um, yeah, Very so good. The Waco Very Benefit good. Dinner, just right around the corner. It's going to be here before be you know. Here you before heard, you, you heard know her it. say that. Yeah. That's right. And Take speaking me out of the ball other game. things that are going to be here before you know it, uh, Easter is going to be here before you know it because right. we are smack dab right in the middle of Lent. Pretty much here in the middle. Right in the we fat middle part of Lent. Latare Sunday coming up this Sunday. Yeah. What do you know about Latare Sunday? I know that... Uh, Don't get start a- off with saying the priests wear pink because that's... Such not a... Okay. Well, then okay. I, I already gave away the other primary <laughs> thing that I know, which is that it is it means rejoicing Sunday mm-hmm. in Latin. And so we're, we're taking, we're pausing to remember why we're going through Lent, mm-hmm. why we're going through this time of penance, why we're reminding ourselves of our mortality, of our sinfulness, uh, because that's not the end of the story. Because what's going to happen is, through our Lord's death and resurrection, He's going to conquer death, He's going to conquer sin, and He's going to bring us home if we persevere. And the clergy wears pink. And then at the end, the clergy (laughs) wears rose, as they like to say. yes. Real men wear rose. Um, They get to pull those vestments out that only get worn twice a year. That's right. Um, So since we're we're in the middle of Lent, we want to remind people. Yep. Pick up that Lenten Listening Challenge if you haven't already. Add one hour of Red Sea Catholic Radio to your day, and we hope that it's having a real beneficial effect on your Lenten journey, that you're getting accompanied by the the men and women of Catholic Radio. 
and it's uh, inspiring you and mm-hmm. and and uh, building you up. Right, and to help us in our Lenten practices, we have a web uh, on our website a mm-hmm. list of uh, reconciliation services around town, uh, around all the listening areas uh, mm-hmm. here locally. Forgive and... us; we almost forgot to talk about that. <sighs> I got a list, and yes, I'm actually do. using it today. Yes, you do. Just today. So here locally tonight at St. Mary's and College Station, uh, penance service starting at 7 p.m. Um, but our website has a link to all the penance services around our listening areas. That's right. Um, That's right. Take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still time. There's still, I think there's still quite a few penance services to yes, come. Yes, we have uh, one in... Next Thursday at St. Francis in Franklin, the next night, Friday, April the 5th at Santa Teresa here in Bryan, Tuesday, April the 9th, St. Mary's in Hearn. Most of these are at 6 or at 7 p.m. And on Thursday, April the 11th, both at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. at Christ the Good Shepherd Chapel, a combination of St. Anthony and St. Joseph's, but... uh, and if you have a wonderful religious calendar that you most people receive, there's numbers of all the, your local churches, listings of other reconciliation opportunities. Great. I Judy, think we this, have another this call. Just in. This just in. We have a caller. We have a caller. Who we got? Who we got? Hello. Hey, Judy. Barbara Swatek. Wow. What up, BFF? Barbara. Good morning. Good to hear your sweet voice. Good morning. How's Lent well, going for you, my friend? It's been blessed. It's just been an, an amazing journey deeper to Christ and deeper to our Blessed Mother. Thank you, Red Sea, for um, the blessing that you had of 33 days for morning to morning glory on your website. It, I really utilized it. Tried to utilize it every day, and it. It was great because I lost. Well, I had packed my book away because I'm getting. I ready can't to find mine move. either. I'm so yeah. uh, bummed that I can't find my book yeah, right now. You're not moving. <laughs> yeah, that's Praise true. Praise God. Anyway. That's true. <clears throat> Thank you for doing going going and doing that with the the people of Palestine down there who we consecrated oh, yeah. their station on the uh, feast of the Annunciation on Monday. So we're we're thankful that you did that with them, Barbara. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what's welcome. up? Why are you calling us today? Because I am calling about the new movie coming out, the premiere of Unplanned, which is going to be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. at Premier and Cinemark Theaters. Here locally and in Bryan College Station? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And you can get your tickets at the Coalition for Life office, which happens to be in the old Planned Parenthood building on 29th Street that has been converted into a, a from a building that murdered babies and was a building of death into a building of life. And it is now the Coalition for Life. It's at 4112 East 29th Street in Bryan. It's across the street from KBTX um, television station. And we need y'all to pick up your tickets before 5 o'clock today and between 9 and 5 tomorrow. And the reason I'm calling is because I want the Brazos Valley and everybody that hears my voice right now, this is your clarion call to take up arms. Come get your tickets. Spread the word. Call your friends. Get people there. We need to fill the seats. 
and I want to see a line out the doors. I, do, I want there to be standing room only. Of course, they won't let you stand in a movie theater. <laughs> that would be breaking fire code laws. But um, we stepped up uh, back in 2000, um, in 2004 when 40 Days for Life was, first began. And Brian College Station stepped up, and we eventually, over nine years, put an end to Planned Parenthood and closed it down. And we are called the most anti-choice town in America, in the world, really. And we've been on, uh, you know, major nationwide TV about it. And this is our chance to show the world once again that we still are a community of life and we are... Are here and committed. I want to. I want to add to that that I think another thing that we're doing here in the Bryan College Station area, by following Barbara's words, is we're also supporting our brothers and sisters who are just up Highway Six in Waco, who are still fighting the good fight actively because Planned Parenthood returned to that community and they are back in the trenches. Um, praying the rosary, standing, standing outside and, and doing those vigils. So they need all the, the prayer support and the fraternal support that they can get from, from us. Amen. Absolutely. Barbara, that, uh, tell us said, a little bit. Thaddeus, I'm well, sorry. Let me just say, keep on that point. That being said, Thaddeus, because we are, uh, the president of Planned Parenthood called us the most anti-choice town and their target is on us. Yes. They're, 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 um, the biggest, um, the biggest, uh, victory that they could have at Planned Parenthood would to be to bring it back here, to be able to sure. do abortion here sure. in this town. So, yeah, we, so we have to stay vigilant is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Judy, you were going to add. Exactly. I just wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about the movie. Maybe our listeners are, uh, hearing about the, this why it's so important. And we only have about two girl. minutes, Barbara. Okay, real quick. Abby Jordan was a was a uh, Johnson. director of Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Abby Johnson. I said it again. That's okay. Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson. Uh, she was the, the director of Planned Parenthood, and she was administrative, but one day she was asked to hold the ultrasound wand for an abortion for an uh, ultrasound-guided abortion, and she actually witnessed the baby being twisted around and sucked in the tube. And the last thing she saw disappear into that that uh, cannula was the spine of that little baby. And she had already had two abortions herself, so it really impacted her. And eventually she walked across the street to, well, she drove over to a Coalition for Life and about shocked Sean Carney to... <laughs> the floor when and um the bottom line is she came over to our side she surrendered um the evil of abortion in her life and has now come to be a a true warrior and uh general for the movement this is her story unplanned and i think it's a play on words planned parenthood to unplanned so uh, it's a phenomenal movie. We've just got to get the people out in numbers. Just please, please call everybody and get get your friends involved and go to the office and pick up the tickets. And awesome. Fill the seat. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Barbara. You are uh, yeah, on the front kind of laid back today. Front lines of uh, this 
movement here. You've experienced it, and you've shared your uh, your experience with our listeners in a, a way that. Yeah, I'm going to be in the movie too, y'all. Anyone that was uh, ever prayed outside, you too, Judy. <laughs> Um, we, we're going to be in it. We're going to be represented in the movie. So Praise that's God. very cool. I can't wait to see who plays me. I hope she's really <laughs> <laughs> All right, Barbara, have a great morning. Great. Thank Good you. Deal. And thank you, listeners. God bless. You guys. God bless. All right, you too. Bye-bye. So hang with us, listeners. Our uh, interview uh, after the break is with Will Rooney, seminarian here in the Austin Diocese. And see you on the other side. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. If you're just joining us, I'm your host, Judy Como, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest. His name is Will Rooney. He is a seminarian for the Diocese of Austin. Will, are you there? I am, Judy. How are you today? I'm doing great, Will. I um, want to give just a little bit of your qualifications, if that's a word uh, that applies, but Will is a in his sixth year in the seminary at St. Mary's in Houston, and God willing, will be ordained as a transitional deacon on May the 18th. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. Awesome. Well, Will, welcome to the show. Um, You know, I just told Thaddeus this in the studio. If you know me, I have to tell one story to tell another story. That's true. Hi, everybody. And uh, Hi, Will. Thanks for being on. I thought he is. Great, yeah. I've run into you at uh, our diocesan youth conference for a couple of years in a row. Y'all are always so uh, gracious to be there uh, to meet and greet our teens and participate throughout the weekend. And so I felt like that was a bit of a divine appointment that God gave us a few minutes to chat about the possibility of this interview. And um, so if you would... Take this time to uh, let let's tell us a bit of your story. What, how your life progressed through uh, childhood, and you. I know you're a member of Saint Thomas Aquinas here in Bryan College Station, and uh, let us let us in on who you are. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, like you said, I, I grew up there in College Station. Um, we moved back to Bryan College Station when I was about four years old. My uh, mom and dad actually uh, had grown up in the area as well, uh, and my dad uh, got a job at A&M, and uh, they were really happy to move the family back from uh, the, the north. Uh, I was actually born in, in Minnesota. Um, but we we went to uh, St. Anthony's there in Bryan for a long time. That's the church where I was actually baptized at. Uh, the church where my grandparents had been going for a long time. And then when I was in um, second or third grade, I guess third grade, we moved over to St. Thomas Aquinas. And um, just uh, that was the place where the Lord really blessed me uh, with a a community of faith 
in which my vocation grew um, very much. And let's see, so made my first communion when I was in second grade, like a, a normal uh, uh, Catholic kid or whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever that is. Started, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, for, for some reason, we think that seven-year-olds are about the right age for first communion. Mm. It usually works out pretty well. Uh, but, uh, they, um, <laughs> they invited us to be altar servers. And I remember, uh, around the time of my first communion, when I was altar serving, first thinking about being a priest, uh, there at St. Anthony's first, and then at St. Thomas Aquinas when we moved over there. Um, just this, this something of saying, well, that's an interesting thing that that guy gets to do, you mm-hmm. know, and this is a, a beautiful, um, you know, it's really mysterious for a kid. There's something about the liturgy that uh, that grabs your attention if you're paying attention, and being an altar server really helped me do that. Um, and I really enjoyed learning about the faith. I enjoyed. Uh, I was that kid in our E class that just kind of um, there was something about learning that uh, God gave me that gift, um, where it was a joy to to do that. And so I continued to grow uh, through the family, through my family who took me to mass every week and through a lot of uh, good people in the community there at St. Thomas Aquinas and in the Bryan College Station area. And this idea of, uh, of being a priest, um, you know, it waxed and waned over the, the course of my life. I remember my mom, I think, still has the little worksheet that I, you know, sometimes at school, they ask kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote down, um, I want to be a train engineer. I want to be an astronaut and I want to be a priest. Uh, so, uh, I don't know how those three things are going to work out all together, but, uh, but we're definitely going for the priest one. Uh, and it's a, it's a real joy to see how the Lord has blessed, um, the growth of my vocation since that point. Um, Let's see. So I went to College Station Public Schools and I ended up falling into a really good crowd of, uh, of Catholics who um, were at St. Thomas Aquinas. And we went to school together uh, and throughout high school and uh, some of the middle school. Uh, it was just a good community, not without our struggles. You know, uh, my family has its struggles and I had my struggles in faith and in growing in faith and understanding these things and then living the, the teachings of the church, not just knowing the teachings of the church. Um, mm-hmm. This is that that's just kind of the way vocation develops. Um, so that was kind of the, the growing and learning about who God was and that kind of thing. I remember in ninth grade when um, was really when I recognized that the faith had to be something more than just simply an intellectual exercise or something um, where uh, I did because of my family or that I did because of uh, it was kind of fun. Right. Um, there was a, a retreat that I went on and that was put on by um, some of the seniors in, in the youth group there um, in which I had a powerful encounter with the Lord through the sacrament of of reconciliation. And I saw in the priest in that moment, 
the the image of uh, a merciful father, right? Just just someone who welcomed me back into the fold of the faith. And I hadn't been to confession for a long time uh, at that point, and who welcomed me back and who invited me uh, to to live a new life in Christ. And that's when I really decided, hey, I'm gonna. I'm going to follow Jesus, not just, not just like, a, you know, a knowing him, right. Or not just knowing about him, but knowing him and actually be a disciple of his. Um, so that was a, a pivotal moment in my uh, conversion, my lifelong conversion mm-hmm. uh, to Christ. Right? So I go through high school, have good friends, as I mentioned. Um, and at the end of high school, I, you know, like I said, this idea of being a priest had always kind of been with me, but I wasn't in a place uh, where I felt able to really say, I want to go to seminary at that point. And I had a a good friend, uh, kind of a mentor, who's now uh, a priest. Some of our listeners may know him, Father Tom Reitmeyer. Mm -hmm. Um, he, uh, He was on the core team at St. Thomas Aquinas when I was in high school, and he left to go to seminary when I was a junior in high school. And I remember talking to then Tom uh, there in College Station when he came back to visit or something, and just asking him about seminary and asking him about um, what it was like. And he really encouraged me that if I wasn't sure that I was supposed to go to seminary to go to A&M, because I had, um, you know, I had been accepted to A&M and uh, had, you know, I'd always wanted to go to A&M and to kind of, at, at, while I was at A&M, to follow the Lord, to stay close to Jesus, right? And so I, I did that. That's, that was kind of my mindset um, when I entered Texas A&M. I studied um, poultry science and uh, agricultural engineering uh, my first year. And then I, I just decided to go with the engineering degree. And I went through all sorts of uh, kind of iterations of what I wanted to actually do after I got out of, uh, got out of college. <laughs> you know, I, at first I wanted to be a veterinarian. Uh, I raised animal projects for 4-H and FSA as a kid. And, oh, yeah. Um, that, was, that was something that seemed to be a, a really good intersection of kind of the science and learning and uh, with the agricultural stuff. And um, I just realized after about a year, that wasn't what I wanted to do. And then uh, I said, well, maybe, maybe I'll be a a people doctor, you know, I'll be an MD or something like that because um, I love working with people. Right. And I, and I'll share a story about how I realized that. If you're if you're just joining us, uh, if you're just joining us, folks, we're talking to Will Rooney, who's a seminarian in the Diocese of Austin in St. Mary's Seminary in Houston. And Will, you're talking to us about kind of your your development and this slow unfolding of your call to the to the priesthood, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. So yeah, as I was kind of sharing there, that uh, uh, I realized pretty quickly after about a year that I wanted to be involved with something that interacted with people a lot. Um, and the 
I was just kind of naturally drawn towards working with people. And uh, there's something about the mystery of the person before me, and I wouldn't have been able to articulate it uh, at that point that um, in that way, but that drew me to uh, to things like maybe being a doctor or something like that. Mm. And, uh, and I, I actually um, had the opportunity when I was there in college uh, to start working in youth ministry. I yeah, helped that, out, volunteered at St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, that that's then, where our paths first crossed was in the youth ministry world exactly. that, that we worked on yeah. uh, Youth2000 together, I think. I, was it Youth2000? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called um, exactly, but there was, there was some shared, uh, shared things there, or service day maybe, mm-hmm. um, and different things like that. And I, I got to be working at the church uh, with these kids and with their families. Um, and I recognized in that, basically, that I loved working with people, for one thing, and that I loved uh, getting to share the gospel with people. That was, and, and walking with them as they uh, came to, to meet Jesus Christ, helping them to meet Christ was an awesome, awesome experience. And even on the, the days where kind of the, the job was difficult, <laughs> there was a real joy uh, associated with with getting to enter into people's lives in that way. Oh, I couldn't agree um, more. Uh, and thank God for the joy because some of those difficulties that you have to encounter involving youth ministry, um, I, I agree with the way you described it, uh, my experience exactly, still is. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, and that, that kind of, so if you, if you put it that way, like I was working at the church, on the one hand, and I was getting an engineering degree on the other hand with some thought of going to medical school afterwards. And I kind of get to my senior year of, of college there at AM and and I am of two minds, right? It's mm-hmm. like the Lord is, is offering me two opportunities, and I'm not sure exactly how to discern between the two of them. And there was no there was no like two by four over the head, right? I didn't have one of those crazy conversion experiences or, or something like that, where it's like, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It was more like the Lord was offering those two alternatives and saying, well, you, you could do like, you're, you're completely free. Right. And, but I, I want you to, I invite you to some generosity. So give me an opportunity in this way, right. Uh, give me an opportunity uh, be generous and see what happens. Um, and, and that was kind of the, the way that I came to end up in seminary is, uh, in through a lot of different times of prayer, uh, in specific, there was, there was one moment in adoration at St. Mary's Catholic center. Um, it was actually the day of the engineering career fair there at A&M. And I, I had decided that I was going to at least, um, I, I had thought about, uh, I should say, instead of going to med school straight out of college, uh, trying to get a job or something for a little while while I tried to figure this whole thing out. And uh, so I was going to go to the engineering career fair, had my suit and tie on, had my resumes printed and everything like that. And I went to my adoration hour and there was just this sense of, okay, uh, Lord, you've offered me this opportunity to, to go to seminary or to at least to apply to seminary at that point. 
And you've been so generous with me in the past, Lord, and I, I'm willing to, uh, to be generous and just to, just with, by saying yes for one year. Right. Um, so I said, I'm just going to not go to the career fair and, uh, oh, and wow. for seminary. And I, that's what I did. I, I came out of that adoration <laughs> hour and I was just convinced that, um, that I had to at least apply and that there was a certain amount of, um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm set towards this thing. And, uh, unless the Lord tells me no, uh, you know, or unless some, you know, obviously the, the Lord would speak through the church in that regard, unless the church says, no, you're not called to, to come to seminary. Um, you know, I, I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me the way that you want me to go, Lord, because you've continually been generous to me. I mean, it's given me so many blessings in my life, my family, my brothers, aunts and uncles, the community of St. Thomas Aquinas, the community of the Diocese of Austin, all of these people over and over again who have poured into me, who have, who have led me, um, and who have just, you know, given, 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 and been signs of the Lord's generosity in my life. And I wanted to... Um, I think that, that that generosity had transformed my heart and opened my heart enough that I was able to to say yes in that small but yet generous way, right? Oh, um, such a you know the beautiful uh, description of and you know throughout <clears throat> throughout your story, I can hear um, support of uh, surrounding yourselves with yourself with you know like minded people participating. Uh, with the same group and youth group and your high school and uh, continuing on here. Um, lots of time spent in adoration and, um, like you said, opening yourself up to realizing the generosity of God. You know, when you're, uh, when you have an o- a- overwhelming sense of gratitude, the natural outpouring is generosity and um, how we can all apply that no matter where we are in our faith journey or vocation um, can, can try to apply that to our faith journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that one of the best lines that I ever heard uh, that a priest uh, told me is, uh, and he said it in the homily over and over again, God will never be outdone in generosity. Amen to that. He will never be uh, outdone. And so that was kind of my deal with him at the beginning of seminary. I didn't know at the beginning of seminary that I, I was called to be a priest like I do now, right? Like I, there, I'm 99.99% sure at this point uh, that I'm called to be a priest, and I, I can't wait to be a priest. But when I first entered seminary, I, I don't know. I, I definitely thought it was a good possibility, uh, but it wasn't something that was certain. And, um, you know, if there's anyone who's listening who has ever thought about um, going to seminary, uh, don't let that kind of uncertainty stop you from going to seminary. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to be open to it. You want to say, maybe the Lord is calling me to this. But seminary is a place of discernment. And guys come there and, um, you know, many guys come to seminary uh, and, and actually leave after a period of time. And uh, that's a win. You know, that's that's following the Lord wherever he leads. And uh, that's that's a generous act. And, you know, they those guys that I know, there's no one that I have met who's come into seminary 
and then left seminary of his own accord uh, and said, man, I wish I wouldn't have gone to seminary. There's one year of my life I can never get back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's just uh, an experience of community, an experience of uh, following the Lord more closely um, in an environment to do that. And yeah. so, yeah, anyway, so I entered uh, Holy Trinity Seminary after I graduated A&M in 2013, um, kind of with that mindset of I'm going to give this a year and see where we go. And every year, it's the the call of the Lord in my life has become more evident and more clear. And uh, there's been more and more joy uh, associated with saying yes to that call. Now, and that doesn't mean that it's been easy all the time. There's been times that have been very difficult in seminary. Uh, it's not like the process of growing is often uh, is often painful. Right? You have to come face to face with the reality of uh, your own uh, sinfulness. You have to come face to face with the reality of evil in the world, evil, and you know. But you also uh, realize that God is so much bigger than all of those things, that God is, um, you know, providentially providing for all of us um, in each and every situation. Um, And there's a a profound gratitude that I have for the opportunity um, that has been afforded me in seminary um, to to grow and to, to learn about the faith and to just to fall more deeply in love with Jesus Christ and his church so that I can be, um, so that I can be his priest, um, so that I can participate in, in his own priesthood. Absolutely. And, um, has the, um, the last year of, uh, information of the scandal and how, how has that been handled, mm. uh, there, from your uh, formators and your own personal um, reflection on some of those struggles that we're experiencing right now, how do you keep up with the day-to-day and continuing in this call? How does how has that affected you? Well, that's you know that's a really good question, and uh, I think. I think there's two things that I would say. Uh, first of all, to the second part of the question, like how do you keep up with the day-to-day kind of stuff? All right. So, I mean, we all hear these these terrible things, and we we have to condemn them as terrible, right? I mean, this is this is evil. What has happened um, at the hands of, of some church leaders and some priests and some bishops who have covered things up, right? These are evil things. So, but, but day to day, right. My, my mission is to be the best, uh, to be a saint, right. I mean, that's the best way to say is how can I be holy and in my sphere of influence, help other people to be holy as well. It's not my job as a seminarian, uh, to, to try and fix all of the problems of the church in one fell swoop. Uh, I mean, guys definitely talk about what would we do in these situations. I think those are healthy conversations, Mm -hmm. right, to have. But there's a sense of, um, and that's kind of leading into my second point here, that there's a sense of this scandal, which is so profoundly evil, which, uh, you know, I think is, is 
so evil because it's not not only the evil that has occurred, but think of all the people that are uh, will not come to know Christ perhaps because of these actions, right? I mean, people have, have lost trust in the church. They've lost trust in in, in priests and, and, and that kind of thing, um, and in general, and it's so profoundly evil that uh, the only response that we can have is is to uh, for for us and for ourselves is to be holy, right? Like we have to speak out where we can in what we in what ways we can against this evil. But we, as seminarians, I can say that the guys here, they were angry, they were frustrated. Uh, we were all, uh, you know, heartbroken at the fact that this would happen sure. because this is hurting our flock. This is hurting the people of God uh, who we are uh, being trained or have already been ordained to serve. And, and, and that has inspired in us a desire to be holier, to, to, um, you know, in the words of St. Paul, um, recognize that we live in the light and we make no provision for the, the things of, uh, the evil one, yes. right. That for the desires of the flesh, for the, the desires of, um, you know, any sin in our life, right. This is, this is a thing. And that's the, the standard that we have to, um, to, to be striving for at all times. Um, recognizing that we're human and that people will fall uh, and people will struggle, but at the same time uh, saying we are committed to being holy. And not only are we committed to being holy for ourselves, but we're committed to being holy for other people, that our holiness impacts how other people will come to Christ as well. Um, So I think that that's been the, within the the community of the seminary that's been the um the effect of of those scandals by and large um you know yeah is it really tough to experience and to go through and to be in formation for the priesthood um when those things are happening in the church absolutely absolutely uh you know and i i remember um when it was you know in august when things were kind of all at once happening, right? That reading some of the the documents or some of the news reports and just, I mean, I was just sitting in my room, like what in the heck is going on? Like why, why would these men do these things or why would you allow that these things happen? And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not God. I don't have an answer to why exactly things happen other than, uh, to say that um, every priest is a human being, and um, and and he is uh, susceptible to temptation, and that's no excuse, right? That's just that that's the reality mm-hmm. of uh, the situation. That uh, these men failed in their vocation uh, to love and serve the church, their bride, um, and that affects. We see very clearly in this case, the fact that sin affects the community, uh, people who don't even, who weren't even, uh, who didn't even know these men or the people that they victimized 
uh, are being affected by this uh, this scandal, right? That their faith is being challenged, um, they're being scandalized, all that kind of stuff. We see how how sin always affects the community. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so many times uh, in teaching in youth ministry, and you try to teach that we're the body of Christ and your sin yeah. hurts everyone. And, you know, thought I had a pretty good grasp on how to teach that. But when it's revealed to you and you receive that hurt and that mm-hmm. uh, lament, as you were uh, putting it, it uh, really puts it right there in front of your face. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and we pray, we fast, we we be holy. That I mean, and we, I can, I can say for myself and the seminarians I know that this would never, um, we would never stand for this. We would call our brothers out. We would call people out on this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, and that just, you know, that's hopefully that is the. Uh, good that can come out of such a terrible, terrible, terrible thing that has happened. Hey, Will, Thaddeus here. We're talking to Will Rooney, who's a seminarian with the Diocese of Austin, and I wanted to go back to your your observation about um, being aware of your own sinfulness as a, as a priest, and mm-hmm. it occurred to me, you know, I've heard some of the saints have talked about um, the holier you the holier you become the more aware of your sinfulness you become and it's kind of like you know you see you have a window and it looks like it's clean but then when the light shines on it <laughs> you can see all the smudges mm-hmm. and i and i don't recall who drew that analogy but i think it's a fine analogy um uh, i think it's john of the cross yeah. okay okay thank you yeah. Yeah. um <laughs> so one question is have you do you see that dynamic in your own life and maybe more specifically, have you experienced that, you know, you're you're free from, you're, you're not committing any mortal sins, but because you're growing in holiness, you, you actually see how even your venial sins, how just how unworthy you are of God's love and grace and His redemptive sacrifice— in and of your yourself. I mean, you're you're created in God's image and likeness, and you, He created everything good, but you're still so in need of His grace and His love, and you're so really not not deserving of it in and of yourself. Do you do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's uh, an apt spiritual metaphor for for all of our lives, right? That we recognize as we get away from mortal sin, right? As we get away from uh, uh, you know, just kind of constantly being in a state of sin and we're actually starting to work, um, we we may get the impression uh, at the beginning that, okay, well, if I can conquer this sin or if I can conquer this sin, mm. well, I'll be, you know, I'll be a good person. Or I'll be completely worthy of God's love at, at that point. And what you realize is that uh, that you've been affected and by so many sins in your life and you have there's so many things uh about ourselves that we don't maybe even recognize in the beginning of the spiritual life um that are you know that are not uh in accord with charity 
right? right. That's the the law of the of the you know of the moral life is is this something that um, you know that is charitable to my brother? You know, in my thoughts and in my words and mm-hmm. what I've done and what I've not done, right? All of those things, and we look at those things and we say, well, okay. Well, as you kind of clear away the the big smudges on the on the mirror and the glass, right? You recognize well. There's a there's a spot. There's a spot. There's a spot. These are all kind of areas that I need to, um, with the grace of God, work on. And, and in my case, right, um, as one who's preparing for the priesthood, I need to work on so that my uh, my way of being in the world, my human my humanity, uh, can be a fitting bridge to Jesus Christ, to help people come to Christ, because that's the most charitable thing that I could possibly do, is to bring someone to Christ. Yeah, we, we uh, want you guys to be heroes. I mean, we, we know that you're, you're humans just like us, but at the same time, we, the laity, we want you guys to be our spiritual heroes and leaders, you know? So that's yeah. awesome to hear you say that. Um, yeah, and I would just say that that's, um, you know, the... the so that's one side of it. The other side of it is realizing, and when I when I say that we recognize our own kind of weakness and sinfulness, um, there's a profound uh, reality of God entering into that space, right, and meeting us in that place and and bringing us uh, up to Him. Uh, you know, we're recording this on the Feast of the Annunciation when God becomes man, right? Yes. <laughs> he enters into the mess of humanity and raises humanity up out of the darkness of sin into the glorious freedom of the, of the sons of God. And in each of our lives, that has to happen. We have to recognize our sinfulness and allow, and, and that even recognizing our own sinfulness is a grace of God. And he raises us up. But the thing is, as in Hebrews, it says, um, you know, I, I think it's chapter five or something like that. You know, every every high priest is taken from among men and is able to deal uh, kindly with those who are weak and erring, for he himself is beset by weakness. So for me as a future priest, you know, I, when I listen, for example, I, I go and, and do ministry in a um, in a juvenile detention facility. Before you get rolling with that story, yeah. we we only have about a minute left, but folks, if you become an Immaculata Recurring <laughs> Gift Society member, you can hear Roundup Extras. We're going to continue this conversation with Will in a in an extra. You can learn more about that by going to Red Sea Roundup slash donate, but we're going we're gonna to have to end the show here, but you can catch more of Will's, uh, what he has to say in in that Roundup Extra. So, Judy... I'm going to toss it back to you yes. to say goodbye well, to our radio say listeners. Say goodbye to our listeners today and uh, know that, Will, that our uh, you, prayers will reunite around you and the rest of the seminarians, and we just thank you for your yes, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you.